Good morning. It's good to be here. Good to enjoy this time together. I know I've talked to a few people throughout the week who have said, you know, Sunday mornings is kind of my oasis in the week. And what a great way to start a week out in a time where we can really uh, be encouraged in our time of worship and with one another as well. You know, a lot of you may not know that it was about a month ago that you had your finger, two months now, that Danny had part of his finger amputated, but he hasn't skipped a beat, I tell you. Um, And it's been great time to just see the Lord work through him, and even though I'm not glad that he's lost his finger, um, I am so glad of what's come out from that, how God is able to indeed work all things for the good to those who love him and are the called according to his purposes, and, and definitely see that with you, Danny, and thank you for that. Um, we want to continue our series in relationships. This is going to be our third part, and as I spoke originally in our first talk, We spoke about how relationships are really the foundation of our human connection. If money is what moves the economy of the world, relationships are what move the human economy. We've talked about how God in himself is relational. How he said, let us make man in our image. And when man, when Adam and God were as close as they could be before the fall, before there was any separation at all, God looked at Adam and says, it's not good for the man to be alone. And so even in that state of perfection, what we would think, it wasn't good. There was the necessity of having a relationship, and he brought Eve into the picture. We've spoken about how our relationships, if we would actually invest in making those relationships better with our wives, with our children, with our coworkers, the quality of our life would change dramatically. It's not that you need a new job that makes more money. It's not that you need to go to school to learn more things or get into another Bible study to get more information. All those things are great. But what we really need is to enhance the quality of the relationships that we have. How Jesus said, it is by our love for one another that all men would know that we were his followers. It is that dynamic that produces in us evidence of God. We also spoke that it's necessary if we are going to enhance our relationships with one another that we need to be able to critique ourselves. We need to have an honest assessment of who we are. Jesus said, how can you take the dust out of your brother's eye when there's a plank in your own? And if we are going to help our relationships, we need to be aware and remove the plank that is in our own eye so that we're not blinded by our shortcomings, by our faults, that we are able to see ourselves clearly. And so we're inviting the voice of others to be able to help us see what we're blind to. And last week we talked about if we want to really grow in these areas of relationships to get to know people deeper, that we have to have a heart of inquiry, that we need to be able to ask people what's really going on and and speak into their lives, not just 
talk about trivial things. How's the weather? But to be able to actually get to important things. Important matters. We, we looked at how God asked questions throughout the scripture, and it wasn't because God didn't know. When God said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't because God couldn't see Adam. The question was actually pulling out of Adam the truth of where he was. Cain, where is your brother Abel? Was it because God didn't know he just killed his brother? No, he said, his blood cries out from the ground. What have you done? It was to reveal to Cain where he was at. And then we looked at Jesus's conversation with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. How he started off just asking her for water and ended up talking about worship. How he was aware of who she was there in the midday, drawing water when no one else was around. How he was perceptive to what was going on. How he was able to hear from God what was taking place in her life and told her to get her husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you've had five and you're living with some guy now. He's not your husband. And she ran back to town and said, you guys, you have to see this guy. He's told me everything in my life. And what she was saying, you have to see this guy. He gets me. He understands me because he was engaging her in a conversation that took her to important things. And if we want to deepen our relationships, we need to be able to move our conversations into those deep things. And we talked about how we do that with the questions we ask, the attention that we pay towards people, our involvement with them and in their lives. And this morning, what we're going to be talking about is how we show up. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at three passages today. We're going to start here in Luke chapter 6. Looking at verse 43. Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. This parable kind of exposes the duplicity or hypocrisy that can take place in us where we want to look like one thing, but really we're something else. We, we put up a front. This is who I am, but really there's something more at the core of what's going on, and Jesus is exposing that. And he's dealing definitely with the Pharisees, the religious people of that time who had an air of being religious, close to God, but didn't have the heart of God. In fact, they were trying to kill Jesus. They were hindering people from coming to worship God. They were in it for their own sake, for their own power, trying to elevate themselves. And Jesus is calling them out on it, telling them that you can't do that. 
That's not genuine. You don't get good things from a bad tree. And it's something that we need to look at within ourselves. This is something that I think that happens all the time in our relationships if we would be aware of it. Where we think one thing, but we're living another thing. Let me give you an example, and I'll use myself at the beginning, even though I don't like to. Uh, there'll be times where one of my boys, because my daughter's good, she's not giving me any problems. <laughs> and she's here this morning, so. Maybe one of my boys, they'll do something that is problematic. It's something that causes their mom and I stress. It's something that's detrimental to their life, something that's harsh in the consequences and something that causes a conversation to take place between me and them. And I'll sit down with my son and I'll start talking to him and I'll explain to him exactly why I'm upset and why he needs to change and the consequences of this behavior. And in my mind, I'm just, man, that was beautiful, Sam. You should have recorded that and played it later on. I'm just thinking, this was wonderful. The wisdom that just flowed from my mouth. And then my wife will come up to me and she'll go, why are you so mad? And I'll be like, I'm not mad. She goes, you sound mad. I'm not mad. Well, I think he thinks you're mad. Well, I'm not mad. Now, what's taking place here? I'm saying I'm not mad, but I'm getting mad. <laughs> but she and my son have perceived that I'm mad. What's more important, how I feel or how I'm showing up? You see, what's more important is how I'm showing up. Who cares how I feel if it's not coming across in a way that is understandable. To me, I'm good. Everything's good. I know exactly how I feel. I can go watch TV now because I've said my spiel. I know it. But he's still hurting. He's still thinking I'm upset. She's still bummed with me because she didn't like my tone. And so what's happened here is I've conveyed something that was actually not what needed to be conveyed. And I'm holding to my position, I was right, I'm not mad. How dare you tell me I'm mad? And what's really taking place is I'm, by my pride, ignoring what's really taking place, how I'm showing up in this situation. And my tone is coming out because really I am most likely angry. I could tell you I'm angry, because I was. Looking back, I know I was angry. See, but I don't want to act in anger. I know that's not good, and so I think I didn't, but it still came across like I did. And when we do this in relationships and aren't aware of how we're showing up, there's a disconnect between what we're trying to present and what's really coming out. And it happens in so many areas. I was counseling a couple, premarital counseling before, uh, they were going to get married, just going through some things, talking with them. And one of the times we met and sat down and, 
and they were upset and they're saying they're having a really difficult week. They're really having some struggles right now and the wedding's just months away and or a month away and I'm just, she's saying, I'm insecure. I don't know what's going on. I just feel like he's not understanding me. And as I'm sitting there dialoguing with them, I'm thinking, okay, something's going on here. And they're telling me about their life and their schedule. And, you know, she's living here, he's living there. And they don't get to see each other except get things done for the wedding and so often. And I I just have this thought because this happens quite a bit. And I say it as gently as I can. You know, sometimes this happens. Sometimes when you're in a relationship and you're struggling and you don't feel close to one another, what you try and do is feel close to one another by getting involved with each other physically. And so... Emotionally, you're stunting your growth because you're, you're jumping from a place of relational responsibility, communication into the bed, and you're just trying to find a fix for what you're lacking in your emotions. And what happens is you don't develop in communication. You don't get to really speak to one another or the issues, but you want to feel close, so you sleep together. And all of a sudden, she starts crying. She says, that's exactly what's happening. And he says, I love you. Let's be together. And he probably does love her. I'm not saying he doesn't. But you see, what he's done is he's interrupted the possibility of growth in a relationship to try and bypass the hard parts of communicating and those things and get right to the good stuff. Why Why did I say it that way? Anyway. (laughs) Should have looked at my notes more carefully. But what happens is the desire is to grow close, but what is actually taking place is stopping that growth. Because you're going to communicate and talk a whole lot more than you sleep together. It's not even 50-50. And if you stop the communication to try and go to the intimacy you're going to handicap the communication. Oh, we say we love each other, but it's producing something that's bad. It's not producing fruit that's good in the life or in the relationship, and it ends up hindering those things. Or maybe this is you or someone you know. Maybe it's a spouse or a child, and you just say, why are you always so grumpy? I'm not grumpy. Okay. You sure seem grumpy. Well, I'm not. I'm not grumpy. Well, why do you seem grumpy? I'm just tired. Oh, okay. So I guess being tired is an excuse to act like a narcissistic jerk. (laughs) You see, you're showing up as grumpy. They're telling you you're grumpy. Guess what? You're grumpy. 
I don't feel grumpy. Well, I'd hate to see you when you did feel grumpy. <laughs> because you're showing up, and that's what people are getting from you. And you're saying one thing, you're believing one thing, you're feeling one thing, but you're ignorant to how you're coming across. The Pharisees said, we are religious, we're right with God. But their actions and the things they did were in opposition to what they were saying. They were right in their own minds. But Jesus saw their hypocrisy and said, no, you can't get bad fruit from a good tree and you can't get good fruit from a bad tree. And from the abundance of what's in you, you're going to speak. And so if you're grumpy, if you're involved in things that aren't producing health in a relationship, it doesn't matter if you don't feel grumpy, if you're speaking and talking grumpy, that's what's in you. It doesn't matter if you say, I love you, if you're not willing to care for the other person and you're being insensitive and selfish. It doesn't matter if you say you're not mad if your words are coming across in a tone that is mad. I've got to be careful. I sound like I'm mad right now. And so how we show up really tells us what's going on within us. But many times we're blind to it. Even though we have faith in Christ, even though we're following Jesus, we can be blind to how we're showing up in the relationships around us. We can be selfish in the relationships around us. We can be ignorant to how we're affecting the people around us. What's going on inside shows up on the outside. So the question is, how are you showing up in the relationships you're in? With your husband, your wife, your children, your coworkers. You have faith in Christ, but are you showing up as always being depressed, always being bummed, always critical, always criticizing? How are you showing up? Because in every relationship, we are showing up in some way. Is it good? What are people saying? How is it affecting them? Because we're either going to be contributing or we're going to be consuming. It's that way with every relationship. Am I consuming the people around me? Am I consuming the life around me? Or am I contributing something to it? With my family, with my friends, my coworkers. How am I showing up in these areas? You guys all know people who suck the life out of a room. You guys know those people? They're like Eeyore, right? Hey, Joe, how's it going? Oh, it's fine. Car wouldn't start today. Wife forgot my lunch. Kids were late for school. Ah, oh, thanks, Joe. Oh, good talking to you. It just sucked the life right out of you. It's like, get me out of this conversation. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going through something right now. You're always going through something. 
And I'm not trying to minimize the hardships that you go through, but how are you showing up and why are you showing up that way all the time? Especially if you are a follower of Christ. Are you aware of how you're affecting the relationships? Are you pulling the joy out of the room? Or are you the person who comes in the room and the conversation livens up? And when people talk to those people, you know, you're talking to someone and pretty soon an hour has gone by and it just has flown by because it's just been a joy to talk to them. They're engaged. They're encouraging. They're uplifting. You leave there with a pep in your step. You're happy. Man, why am I so happy? I talked to this guy and I just, man, I've, I've been encouraged. I, I have hope. They've, been, they've led me to a place that is better. They've shared their faith with me and encouraged me. Maybe they're even going through a trial or a difficulty, but they're seeing hope. And it shows and it rubs off on me as well. What happens when you bring this type of attitude into the relationships around you? What would happen to your marriages if you were aware of this and you brought this attitude where I'm not going to be a consumer, but I'm going to be a contributor to my wife, to my husband? I, I'm going to contribute something good to my children. I'm going to uplift them. I'm not just going to be oppressive to them, to my coworkers. And you know what? Maybe they're not the best coworkers. Maybe they're selfish. Maybe they are jerks. How are you to them? Are you repaying evil for evil? Well, they're not nice to me, so I don't have to be nice to them. Or are you trying to change the relationship and be able to speak something that's beneficial into their lives? What would happen in your relationships with your friends if you were aware of the times that you start to consume their friendship where you're always demanding something from them you're always asking from them but you're not giving what would happen if you changed that dynamic and you actually became a person who was giving was mindful of those things and started acting like jesus we talked about that in, in Philippians chapter 2. Have this attitude. Don't just think about your own interests, what you're interested in, but the interests of others. What if you really were interested in your friend's knitting? <laughs> and you engage that conversation. Maybe there's a lot happening there that you would find out. Not only in that area, but in them. Because you're showing interest. You're actually taking stock and being involved with them in their life and those things. There's another passage I want to look at. It's in Luke chapter 8. Just turn the page there. This is an interesting situation. Starting at verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. 
Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his home because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on the way, the crowds almost crushed him. Get this picture in your mind. They're just pressing in on him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, I think that's funny. They, oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It, it's like, you know, it's like someone just picked Jesus' pocket. You know, hey, who touched me? Oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. They all just instantly become, oh, I didn't, I, he sounds like something bad happened. I'm just going to deny it, even though I, I probably, I mean, they probably were touching him. The crowd was pressing him. Probably incidentally, they're bumping him. But they just denied. No, it wasn't me. He's upset. It's not me. I think that's funny. Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Jesus, you're being a little obsessive compulsive here. Everyone's touching you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. That's an interesting verse. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Now you can see that she's even afraid, thinking maybe she's going to get reprimanded for this, especially because that issue of blood meant she was unclean. She wasn't supposed to be in the crowd, and so she's busted. She's caught here. What's going to happen? She came trembling, fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And instead of being reprimanded, verse 48 says, Then Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, this passage is interesting for so many reasons. For so many reasons why I, I just am intrigued by this. You know, Jesus comes across knowing something happened. And when we picture Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, all power... How could he notice if a little power left him? That should be incidental. But somehow he knows power left me. And I got to tell you, I still don't fully understand that. It just intrigues me. Something happened. He was aware of it. Who touched me? Power left me. And everyone's like, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. No, it wasn't me. Did you do it? No, it wasn't me. And finally, they're all stopped. And Jesus is making some kind of thing. Someone touched me. Power left me. And this woman now is healed. And she's like, oh my gosh, it was me. And so she confesses. And she's not reprimanded. She actually is praised for her faith. And Jesus blesses her and says to go in peace. And so it's an intriguing passage, but... What also is intriguing in this passage is, you know, you can only give what you have. No one else could heal her, but Jesus could. And I think a problem in a lot of our relationships is we're wanting something from someone that only Jesus can give. You're wanting from your husband what only Jesus can give you. 
You're wanting from your friends some kind of security and some kind of strength that only Jesus can give. And a lot of problems take place in our relationships is because we expect someone to do what only Jesus can do. There is a healing that only God can give you. There is a forgiveness that comes only from God. There is that restoration with God and the wholeness that makes us complete that only God can give. And when you try and find that in another person, it's frustrating. It's crippling. And pretty soon you're upset because your husband can't meet all your needs because really only Jesus can. You're upset because your friends aren't able to satisfy the things that are in your soul because really only Jesus can. And recognizing and understanding that is important because when we then receive this life that Jesus gives, we now have something more that we also can give. And so this faith in Christ isn't just for me so I can get saved and not go to hell. This faith in Christ is so that I can have life and that I can now share his life with others. And so many times we want to bypass the importance of this relationship with God, not recognizing if you don't have this, what are you going to give? I can remember times talking to people who were going through just difficult and, and devastating circumstances, and you hear their friends talking to them as they find out they have cancer, as they find out that it's terminal. And their friends say, well, you know, it's going to be okay. Thanks. You know, you're going to be all right. Well, I'm going in for chemotherapy this week. But what can they give them? All they can do is put this little, you know, platitudes out. You know, well, when God closes a door, he opens a window. Thanks. The window doesn't look that good either right now. You see, but if they don't have life, how can they give life? If you don't have hope, how can you really give hope? And so if you really want to be able to impact the relationships that you're with, you need to have this relationship with God. Because that's the relationship that will then be able to have influence in a positive way to these other relationships. You can't give what you don't have. And so the question then is, do you have life? Do you have hope? Do you have Christ? Do you have his love? Do you have his forgiveness? Because if you don't have that, you really aren't able to give that. And we need to be able to give that to our spouse, to our children, to our friends, to our coworkers. We, that's something that's important to give. Do you realize that you're able to actually bring healing to people? Now, before you think, that's kind of weird, Sam. No, that's Jesus. Well, first of all, in Acts chapter 5, we know that the apostles 
brought healing, that they would actually lay people down so that Peter's shadow could pass by. You see, what the disciples had was Christ. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I can give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. They brought healing to the people there. But, but just so you have an understanding, you all know that you can bring hurt, right? Has everyone experienced that? Has anyone experienced that? I have. It's amazing how the people I love the most, I can hurt the most. And that's what relationships do. The closer you are with someone, the more susceptible you are to, to hurt. And so as you give yourself away, it's dangerous. What are they going to do with my heart as I open my life up to them, as I allow them this close place in my life? What will they do? You see, I can hurt my wife more than anybody because she has opened her life to me. And the sad thing is I have. I look back and I think, how could I hurt the person who I love probably more than anyone. Well, not probably. I do love more than anyone. Just had to clear that up real quick. (laughs) How can I hurt the one that I love so much? And it's, it's so easy to cause devastation. You know, we could have a time together where we're, we're away for the whole weekend and things are growing, going great and it only takes a stupid comment to just trash the whole weekend. It's like a sandcastle. You know, you spend a whole day building the sandcastle and it's great and then some kid comes over there, boom, boom, stomps on it and it's gone in seconds. And I've done that where I'm talking to her and I start to say something that's a little sarcastic, a little demeaning little insensitive. And even as it's going out of my mouth, I'm thinking, don't say that. Don't say that. But I'm like a baboon or something. It's just like, <laughs> you know, this comes out. I'm just like a primate. I just have lack of control. And the whole weekend, you know, the whole day is gone in minutes. You know you have the power to hurt. But I think it's important that we recognize that we also have the power to heal. We have been given the ministry, Paul says, of reconciliation, of bringing healing. And so once again, how are you showing up? Are you causing devastation to those who are closest to you? Are you bringing hurt or are you bringing healing? Because the most important thing you bring into that relationship is you and how you show up. Do you show up with the life God has given you or do you show up and start to contaminate and become toxic and start destroying those who actually are close to you? And it happens all the time. We do it with husbands, wives, we do it with our parents, I look back and I just cringe thinking of how I acted as a kid with my mom. Don't say amen, mom. I know you're here. (laughs) 
But so many things that we do end up bringing devastation and hurt. We've been given this power to heal. It's so much easier to bring devastation. It takes so much effort to bring healing. And that's why it's important to bring this influence in how we show up, to be mindful of it. Because if you're not aware of it, you will continue to degrade and devour and consume instead of bringing encouragement, hope, putting an end to prejudice, giving life and light to those who are in darkness and in hurting. It's really about allowing the life of God to be not only your source of healing, but your source of bringing healing to others around you. That's what we are supposed to be. Remember, it's by your love for one another that people will see you're my followers. And this is how we show that love in our conduct, in our conversation, in how we act. It's not enough that you believe, devils believe. It's not enough that you feel like you love them. How are you showing that love? What fruit is your tree bearing it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad when people are around you are they filled with hope are they energized is that time rich and full do they leave optimistic or do you suck the life out of them and they leave condemned and devastated one more passage of scripture we want to look at John chapter 13 Verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so John is painting this picture for us, telling us that it's coming down to this. Jesus is going to give of himself completely. He's loved them till the end. He's loved them fully, completely. He could love them no more than giving his life. And so here is the absolute clarity of what love is in the person of Jesus. Verse 2, it says, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so now we see that Jesus not only was a complete understanding of what love is, he also understands that he is all-powerful, that all the power has been given to him. So here's this collision of all love and all power coming together. They're converging right here. We're seeing this exemplified in Jesus, when you take all love and you take all power and you put them together, what are we going to get? In verse 4, it says, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had all power, the person who also had all love served. He became a servant. If you want to change the quality of your life, you don't need a better job. You don't need to know more things. If you would give more than you received, your life would change dramatically for the good. If you acted as Jesus is acting here, the one who is the complete understanding of what love is, the one who had the power to do anything, what did he do? He served. If we would take this illustration of Jesus and make it our life's example, it would be revolutionary of how it changed the world around us in the area of our relationships. People would be drawn to you because you're a person who actually gives and cares and serves. You're a person who genuinely is wanting to contribute and not just consume you would show up like Jesus. You would be a picture of who Jesus is. For as he is, we are to be in this world. And you see, that shows up in our relationships. That shows up with the people around us. It shows up with your husband, your wife, your children, your family, your coworkers, fellow students, friends, that's where it shows up. If you would take the model of what Jesus is doing here and give of yourself, you would be a different person. And the way you would show up would be proof of God. By this, all men will know that you are my followers if you have this love for one another. And so the challenge for us in a world around us, the people around us, is to ask ourselves, am I showing up like Jesus? And I guess to go back a step, do I have this relationship with Jesus that I'm able to now give the life that he has given me? Freely you have received, freely give. Jesus hasn't given us life so that we can hold on to it. It's meant to be given away, just as he exemplified in his person. That's what we're supposed to do. And if we would do this in our relationships with those around us, you would be amazed at how things could change. You would be amazed at how God used you because you start acting like him, because your fruit is good, because your heart is good and it's producing that good fruit, because you've been blessed, healed by Jesus. You've touched him and he's restored you and now you're to go and touch the world around you, to love like he loved, to give like he gave to be like he is 
so that they can see him in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I know that I take for granted the people around me in in so many ways. That there are so many areas in my life where I'm a consumer. And I recognize, Lord, that what's important is how I'm able to represent you to them how I show up in conversation, how I show up in my actions, how I effectively represent you. It makes all the difference in the world. And and so, Lord, I pray that as we look at these truths in your scripture, that we would take that mirror and look at ourselves and, and, and see what do we look like. Am I producing fruit or am I producing thorns? Are the relationships around me being traumatized or are they benefiting from my life? What am I doing? How am I showing up? What's the truth of what's inside of me? And Lord, all of us at some point recognize that we are a bad tree, that we are rotten. All of us need to touch you and be healed. All of us have a place where we cannot give anything good if we haven't first received you, the only one who is good. And so, Lord, I pray this morning, if there are some here who find themselves in that place where they're looking in and they're saying, there's nothing good in me. My life is producing nothing good. And they are brought to a place where even this woman who said, no one can heal me if I could just touch you, Jesus. Lord, even as power left your body to heal her, your power is available today to heal us. If we would call on your name and ask for this healing. Lord, help me to be a tree that now produces good fruit. I receive you and your life into me, in my heart. Lord, make me a tree that can produce good fruit. And then, Lord, with the life that you give me, may I give it to others. With whatever power is within me, may I use it to serve and not to be served. May I live as you lived. May I follow in your footsteps. May your example be my goal. And may the people around us see you in us because of how we serve, because of how we love because we show up as you did. Lord, may these words stay in our hearts and minds throughout this week, and may we wrestle this through with you. Speak to us, we pray, 
Show us those areas where we're blind and help us to be aware of how we are presenting ourselves to those close to us, those dear to us. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.